Hello, BookThinkers family, and welcome to our personal development podcast, BookThinkers Life-Changing Books. During each episode, we interview one of the world's top authors, and as a listener, you can expect to discover new books, new mentors, and new resources that you can use to achieve more and live better. Today's episode, we have the pleasure to interview author of Inquire Within, NQ. You will learn about the importance of poetry, art, expression through these mediums in your life, and you may even realize that even you are a poet and artist. NQ is an amazing human, award-winning poet, multi-platinum songwriter, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. This episode is a super special one. You are going to hear some incredible stories, some amazing poetry, and see how there's beauty in every moment of our lives. You might need to get the tissues out for this one. Just a warning. Now get ready to feel, be inspired, learn, and enjoy this incredible conversation with NQ. life-changing books podcast man how are you feeling today very good thank you so much for having me i think we're going to kick it off with a poem right if you're okay with that we'd love to hear it so this is a poem from uh inquire within and it's called father time i'm staring at the number wondering if i should call i can hear the tick tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump thump beat of my heart Sometimes getting something started is the hardest part. I didn't meet my dad until I was 15. I had seen his photograph, but his image was sickening. A coward with a dick, but no balls to back it up. See, when he left me as a kid, I had cause for acting up. The funny thing about hate is the person you hate doesn't feel that hate, you feel that hate, but wait, the weight can be too much for a person to take and personally I was hurt so I just locked it away. I was angry all the time and I didn't know why. I couldn't handle my rage so I would hide it inside pretending everything was fine became a daily pastime. Time passed and I started to believe in my own lies. I took it out on my mom because she raised me alone. The rage that I couldn't own had left me totally numb. It was like landmines in my mind that I didn't understand. So when the boy inside cried, the young man outside yelled. I think I learned about my masculinity from TV. The people weren't real, so I knew they couldn't leave me. I would sit there for hours, right in front of the tube. The images that I saw were my depiction of truth. It was manhood in a box. And I bought into it the censorship of anything inside of me that's sensitive. The sentence is, a lifetime of tears suppressed in a stone face, an overblown ego they've distracted through a paper chase. Back when I was nine, I imagined in my mind that my father was a spy working for the FBI, and that's why he couldn't stop by, ride, or drop a line. He was off saving our lives from the bad guys, but that was just a lie that I used to get by so that you wouldn't see the tears welling up in my eyes when you're rejected by the person that you're created by. You secretly feel like you don't have a right to your life. I thought if I confronted him, it would make it all right. But since I couldn't forgive him, it just recycled my spite. I remember meeting him for the first time. Every time a person passed by, I would ask, Mom, is that him? I look a little like him, right? No? Oh. What about that guy? And that was what it was like to meet the man that gave me my life. To shake his hand and look into his eyes. We talked till he apologized, then said our goodbyes. I walked away on my own, then I began to cry. Now, for years after that, I acted like it was all resolved. 
I had told them what I thought, so I figured my problems were solved, but they just re-evolved. My insecurities were eating at my mental health. I took it out on the world because I hated myself. That's when I finally decided I needed some help. I opened up. I started writing and sharing about my past. I got more honest with myself and I started chipping at my mask. I looked into the mirror and confronted what I saw, accepting the reflection by embracing every flaw, then directing the connection into breaking down the walls by reflecting the perfection of the God inside us all. I stopped focusing on everything that I had been hateful for, and I started focusing on everything I could be grateful for. And personally, there is a lot I can be thankful for. If pain is dragging you down, just cut the ankle cord. That's when the weight lifted and I really started living. It's when my hate shifted and I really started giving. It's when my fate twisted. It was like an ego exorcism. Your mind state can be the most powerful of prisons. My father never played catch with me or gave advice, but if nothing else, that man gave me life. And that's enough for me if that is all he can ever give, because I'm appreciative for every day I get to live. And even though I don't need my dad to validate me, I thought that I should write this poem to thank him for creating me. Because every moment that we are alive is like a gift. And if that's not enough to forgive, then what is? I'm staring at the number wondering if I should call. I can hear the tick-tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump-thump beat of my heart. Sometimes getting something started is the hardest part. I pick the phone up. The dial tone begins to sing. I punch his number into it and it begins to ring, ring. Hello, Mike. Hey man, it's uh, it's Adam. Yeah, your son. Luke, you're crying. <laughs> Got goosebumps and everything. Wow, man, I might need a minute here. <laughs> so, you are clearly incredible <clears throat> at what you do. Uh, I think the Book Thinkers family can recognize that you are a poet. You are a poet author. And uh, I'd like to start off the show by going back in time a little bit. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you discovered this desire to write poetry and, and what that was like for you. Yeah, I'm happy to answer that. Can I just ask how you're feeling yeah. and what's going on with you? Because I <laughs> feel like sure. it would be disingenuous. <laughs> no, it's it's all right. Um, it's it's just it's that like that whole I don't know, the, the feeling of that whole poem is just so relatable. Like, I, I had my dad around. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have a great relationship with him, but... <laughs> I just the, could relate to those words so much, and, like, you want... <laughs> you want your dad's validation. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you being so open and, and honest and... And I was honestly not expecting this at all. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I make. Oh man, I make people cry wherever I go. Bro. It's great. It's <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah, it's just you know, you want that validation so badly, and I love how you just turn that into to gratitude for just the life because you have. I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience, but you have anger inside of you and you're like, you want something more yeah. from your parents and you want, I, like, maybe it's just that validation that you want. But, um, man, just like reframing it into gratitude for thanking them for your life and if that's all they give. Yeah. In order for uh, all of us to be, in alive, uh, be alive, we were in a race against like, I guess on the low end, it's 40 million and on the yeah. high end, it's 350 million sperm crazy <laughs> and we all won yeah but we have the nerve to walk around like we're mistakes yeah 
and we're all miracles. And the reason I even write poetry in the first place is to remind myself of that when I forget. Because it's not like I can say, well, I landed on gratitude and now I'm always in gratitude. No, it's a constant struggle. But when I put it into my art form, which is poetry, and then I share it with other people, it's a mirror for other people, but it's also a mirror for me. And uh, I get to re-speak it into existence and remind myself that uh, I won the race, you know? Yeah, well, man, as I gather myself here, gratitude is, is such an important part of, of my life. And it's like, even recently, it's, I've been trying to frame it differently in that like it's like oh i'm grateful for this i'm grateful for that i'm grateful like it, it just becomes almost like this road thing that you're not you don't actually feel or you don't actually really care about so when you sit there and like through that poem and you put it in that perspective and you just tell me like hey you're one in three hundred fifty thousand million, whatever it was sperm racing like it's crazy and then that that really that puts you in that state of gratitude and that's that's powerful yeah. so thank you for that of course <laughs> thank you i'm happy to answer your question Let's go a little deeper on this subject. I, we, we saw somebody on stage recently say that if you go back 400 years, there are 4,000 family members that had to be in the right place at the right time and meet their yeah. partners and have sex at the right time in order to produce you. And so the odds are infinitely small yeah. that any of us could be here. Mortality has been a subject that we've talked with a lot of guests about recently because I think when... When you realize that life is finite and there's an end point for all of us, it sort of shoves you back into that direction of gratitude. Yeah. Look, life is hard. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Even in the best circumstances, life is hard. But it's also unfathomably beautiful. And since we don't know what comes before or after experientially, at least that we remember, this is really all we have. And uh, I acknowledge that life is hard. I acknowledge that life is beautiful. And I acknowledge that I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than right here, right now. And uh, that keeps me paying attention to the moment rather than getting caught up in the past or the future. You made a comment that writing poetry reminds you to be grateful. It reminds you to experience the present moment and find beauty in, in everything around you. Has it always been that way? Or do you only see that now in hindsight? Did you start for a different reason? I mean, I started rapping when I was like 13 years old. And um, for me at that point, it was much more about freestyling than anything else. And freestyling was um, about being in the present moment and having the freedom to express yourself in any way there were no rules and there was something really special and about that for me and then when you added the battling in which was really fun it brought the competition of sport into that area of freedom and creativity and uh that was kind of how i started you know with rhythm and rhyme and then um, I wound up in an open mic for poets called the Poetry Lounge here in Los Angeles when I was 19. Started doing my rapping a cappella, and you know ended up being on HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam, and we won the National Poetry Slam Championship. And then I very consciously moved into uh, poetry um, because really at that time I was just trying to get signed still as a rapper, <laughs> and I thought that that was going to happen for me in a big way. And um, and it ended up being a real gift that it didn't because I kind of like found my true calling in uh, in spoken word. When I first started doing spoken word, conceptually, I was all over the map. I mean, I would talk about all sorts of things. And over my maturity as an artist, I started to hone my voice more and more. And I realized there's a difference between uh, expressing something that needs to be expressed and perpetuating something. You know, like, you should definitely express how you feel if it's negative. I'm into expression, not suppression. But I'm into celebrating whatever it is that you're expressing 
and then moving on from it if it's negative because otherwise you're just creating more and at a very specific point i remember like going okay i'm not going to write about specifically the things that are wrong in my life because i'm just creating more of those things if there's something i need to express whether it's positive or negative i'll get it out but um there's a difference between expressing and perpetuating when you were so you said at 19 years old you did found poetry i mean you found rap um and then you just went into it and you said you had a very con you made conscious decisions to go into into poetry like how did you at such like such a young age like know that oh this is this is what i want to do with my life because so many people i mean i know me at 19 years old 18 i had no no clue like no clue and even to this day there's still there's still doubt and struggles in my mind right so d do you have those doubts and struggles today is that like something that's perpetuated but like i guess we can start with how did you know that well you know everybody's always like oh the grass is always greener on the other side yeah you know and it's like and then they're like no the grass is not greener on the other side and it's like either way it's grass <laughs> you know any decision you make in your life there's rewards and there's consequences so like in my particular situation i knew what i wanted to do very young there are rewards from that there's also consequences my rewards at this stage in my life i'm not on anybody else's time i'm an independent contractor I don't have a fucking boss. Nobody can tell me anything. I decide who I want to work with, how I want to work with them, and when I want to work with them. I could leave something in the middle of it. Everyone has their freedom to do that, even if they're in a job. But as long as they're attached to that job, you know, they're on somebody else's time. You know, the, the thing that they're doing represents who they are in some form or fashion. Right. Um, for me, I just kind of explore who I am and that's what I get to focus on in my creativity. But there, there's also like uh, other consequences to that, which is like I don't have security in the same way that other people do. And like I was broke for so long. I mean, I didn't make any money until I was past both of your guys' age. And uh, even when I did, I started making money in songwriting as a lyricist. I didn't really know how to make money as a poet. I remember doing so many poetry shows that were just absolute disasters, you know, uh, for 50 bucks. You know, I remember I did a poetry show one time for 50 bucks at a club, at a nightclub. And in the middle of my performance, the fucking DJ just put the music back on. It's like a thousand people there, you know? And then the dude didn't pay me, so I drove to his house. Because I needed the 50, like, you know what I mean? But I didn't feel like I had a choice. I didn't, like, choose poetry. It chose me. Every time I tried to quit and do something else, I didn't have an avenue in a way that felt right. I hadn't gone to college, you know. Um, there was nothing else that sparked my interest other than, you know, different forms of art. And eventually I just kind of, like, settled into that. And... uh there's a saying, if you follow the path, the path will lead the way. And so, you know, I, I did, and eventually it led the way. I'm, I'm curious, just for my own context, you're 13 years old, you get into this rap space, you're freestyling, I'm assuming at school. Yeah. And you get into rap battles. My, my only, I mean, my mind goes to like eight mile or something, so... What was that like for you? Where did you find this type of engagement? And were you insecure in front of everybody that you were freestyling in front of and, and the people that you were battling? Or Yeah, no, it was actually the only place that I felt secure. Interesting. Yeah, it was like the way that I felt empowered in my life because I felt pretty disempowered in general. And, you know, the thing about hip hop is it has no rules. And whatever your truth is that you're bringing to the table... Uh, and however you express it, it's yours. You know, people can try to tell you things about that, but really they can't, you know. Um, and the other thing about the time period in which this was all taking place in, like, early 90s, you know, like, 
um, hip hop was uh, not the biggest music in the world yet, you know? So even though it was still huge, everyone that really truly loved hip hop felt like they knew a secret or were a part of this movement because it was still creating itself in real time. Um, so even though you might not have looked at me and been like, oh, he's a hip hop head. I mean, I, I was, and a lot of my friends were, and it was just like, you know, something, you know, we, we just all kind of did. Yeah. It's interesting that that's the place that you found security. You know, it was the, it was the place that allowed you to express yourself and you felt confidence, but you write about subjects like self doubt and you write about subjects like ego and all of these things that you're battling in real time. It's, we heard a quote recently, what disqualifies you actually qualifies you. What does that mean to you? The things that you're insecure about and that are unique and maybe you shelter from other people at a younger age. Once you open up and you become vulnerable and you start to talk about them, they're what allows other people to relate to you. And yeah. it, it's actually what qualifies you. And so you started off today's podcast with the Father Time poem, and you share some pretty personal stuff, but that's what allows us as, as listeners and readers of your poems to connect with you, like connected with Luke so emotionally. Yeah. So what disqualified you, you didn't have that presence, actually qualifies you because you're able to relate to other people by sharing it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I'm wondering, so do you have every single poem in that memorized? That's just like a curiosity thing. Yeah, keep going. I mean, for the most part, uh, or I'm <coughs> one or two reads away from, you know, reacclimating myself to the piece. Okay. They've all been memorized at one point or another and performed on stage countless times. I'm just super curious. What is your process for that? Is it like easy for you once you write them down, like to memorize them because they came out of you? Or is it a difficult thing? I mean... Not at this point, because I memorize basically as I write, um, and I've done it for so long. I mean, I'm 44, so 13 to 44, and I took it seriously pretty much from the beginning. Um, and uh, that's, I don't know, that's like triple outlier hours. I, I don't even know how many hours I've, I've put into rhythm and rhyme over the years. So... Um, memorization was just a muscle that I built up. And now often what happens is, is by the time I've finished writing something, I've gone over it so many times that it's already three quarters of the way memorized. And I just kind of have to get off book. And then once I'm off book, uh, then I start to kind of like do it while I'm doing other things. Like if I'm working out or if I'm like, um, cool. yeah, driving because what happens is when you're doing other things and you're uh, actualizing the thing that you want to memorize, it almost becomes cellular because your, your body's doing something different. You're doing two things at the same time. And so it helps anchor it in your body. And then, um, then I start to do it just like to a few people. And then I get it up on stage. And at that point, it kind of has wings. Who are the few people that you'll test something in front of? I test things in front of anybody. Yeah. All the time, actually. Just I like, like doing open it. Open mics or? No, I mean, I don't really go to open mics anymore. People are my open mics. Yeah. I'll ask, you know, if they'll like lend me their ear on something. But I'm not really looking for um, their opinion often. There's occasionally I am specifically asking Sophia's opinion about something or a project that we're doing. Um, or one of my friends, but mostly uh, once the piece is completed, I'm uh, researching it by seeing how it feels while I'm doing it out loud. So like I was at a dinner the other night and um, my friend started playing a song and then he asked if I would do a poem. So I decided to do a brand new poem and in doing the poem, which they all loved, by the way, I realized it's not done. And then the next day I spent like two hours working on it and I added some other stuff and I think it's done now, but it might not be done. Are there any poems inside of this book that you've modified since you published it? I edit 
them all the time. All the time. Yeah. In fact, if I was to go back in there, I would tear it apart again. Oh. <laughs> but I also think that it deserves to live in the book the way that it does. Like we gave life to it in Inquire Within and that life is beyond my reach. And I like it that way. I like that it has life for other people. Sure. And some of the things that I would cut because of lessons that I've learned or, you know, a different perspective I have now or whatever is going to be very important for somebody else to read. So what the fuck is it my business to take something out that belongs there, you know? Hello, Bookthinkers family. A quick word from today's podcast sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, business, and my favorite, personal development. And as part of Audible's partnership with us, we're actually offering listeners a free 30-day trial. This trial includes one credit, good for any premium selection titles you'd like on the whole platform. So that's pretty much any book, including the one we're talking about today. That book is yours to keep even after the trial is over. Now, this trial also includes access to Audible's Plus catalog of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness programs, and Audible originals. You can listen all you want, no credits needed. Now, everyone on the BookThinkers Instagram knows that I love physical paper books. There's nothing better than having a book in your hand, scribbling notes everywhere in the margins. I kind of tear those things up. But I've been completing an additional 20 to 30 books every single year using Audible by listening when I'm in the car, doing chores around the house, or while I'm on my morning walks or runs. You could take advantage of this free trial by clicking the link in today's show notes or going to www.bookthinkers.com slash audible trial. You will not regret it. Now back to today's episode. I was going to make an observation. We've interviewed over a hundred best-selling authors, brilliant people, but there's not a single one of them that can recite a page of any of their books from memory. And so it's a very different thing that you're working in. You know, you're refining every page, I think, more than most of the authors we're working with. And so that's why I think your process is going to be interesting to people. Like, how long does it take you to write the average poem? You know, I would say anywhere between like four and eight hours is like about the amount of time. But sometimes it comes out in an hour. And then sometimes it comes out in six months. Do you ever feel that your poetry comes from an external source, like a muse, and, and you're a vessel that it flows through? Or do you feel like it's all unique to you and it's coming directly from somewhere inside? Both. So the first one, yes, I definitely feel that way. But I don't feel that way from a like overly uh, spiritual or, or even corny to some people, you know, way it's actually very practical for me it's like i i think that everything is energy and i think that um inspiration floats around basically and uh if you pay attention to when it is that you're specifically inspired as a human being the thing that catches your eye um you can take it and use that energy to create something that is unique to you in whatever genre you decide to use. Um, but if you don't, it'll float off to somebody else. Because I think actually the idea or the energy just wants to come into the world in some way. Yeah, I think so too. And so what's your hope for people that pick up this book and decide to read your poetry? Do you hope that they can take some of that energy and apply it to their own life? Are you looking for people to reflect or see things from a new perspective? What's Do you have a goal? Not really. Not I really. don't really have much of a goal. I think the goal is creating. And if I create something that's true to me, then it will be true to some people. Not everyone and not all at once, but some people at certain moments in their life. 
And sometimes even people will get something from it and misinterpret what I meant. And it's still perfect for them because that's what art is. It's not really meant to be understood. It's meant to be experienced. Um, these are just like ideas and lessons that I put into um, my craft that I've spent so many years honing. But people can be motivated by them or they can be entertained by them or they can be repulsed by them or they can ignore them. And all of them are perfectly okay. So I don't like to overly confine people to what I want them to walk away with because then I don't allow them the freedom to be creative with my creativity. They should walk away with whatever it is that they want to or nothing even. Hmm. That's really bad for branding, by the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think I would be so, like, Lewis is a brilliant brander. He knows how to take the perfect thing out of something very complicated and present it so that you can put it in your pocket for later. I do the same thing, but through my art. And then I just kind of let it live. You know, that's why he actually is always on me about branding. You know, but the reality is, it's like um, inquire within is about the person reading it, inquiring within themselves. It's not about me telling them who they are. Who the fuck am I to tell anyone anything about who they are, or what their experience is? If I had sat here and done the Father Time poem and I needed you to react in a certain way, you wouldn't have had the space to react the way that you did. And the way that you reacted was beautiful and perfect. And, you know, so, and I'm grateful for it, but I wouldn't have expected it, right? Yeah. So you said your art isn't meant to be understood, it's meant to be experienced. And I think that's the difference between this book of poetry and most of the authors that we're working with. Most of the authors that we're working with are writing books that are meant to be practically implemented in a specific way they're meant to be understood and you've written something that's meant to be experienced so i get why you would say that it's bad for branding but again i think what is unique about you like what what disqualifies you from that normal conversation also qualifies you for this conversation it's different it's unique it's fun we're kind of exploring mm. like what that means for our listeners it's it's definitely different yeah look a lot of uh motivational authors are like i have the secret yeah and i'm like you have the secret it's cool. mm. harder to sell that <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean we do well but it's still harder but to you're sell gonna do the work still, right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah that's fascinating just going on branding just a, a very little little bit um I'm curious how you came up with the name. I'm sure you know people listening too would be curious about this. How did you come up with the name NQ, and what does it what does it mean to you? So NQ is actually short for inquiry, and it was just given to me when I was 15. My buddy Jay uh, was like, "I'm gonna start calling you Inquiry because you ask so many questions." And then he started calling me Inquiry, and then people started calling me NQ. They just shortened it, and then people started calling me Q and you know, that that was a long time ago and people people still do. What percentage of people in your life go by your first name, Adam? And what percentage of people go by in Q or Q? I would say the vast majority of people call me in Q or Q. Oh, cool. Because, you know, in those seasons of my life, that's how they knew me. Like all of my friends from high school, they all kind of knew me as in Q. And then... Um, you know, afterwards, all of the Poetry Lounge crew knew me as NQ. And then when I moved into this thing that we created called the Acting Lounge, uh, where actors would come and put up scenes and stuff like that and kind of the L.A. underground acting space, they all knew me as NQ. And then, you know, I was doing shows since I was a kid as NQ. And then when I moved into Rock Mafia, which is where I started doing a lot of my music writing, they knew me as NQ when I moved into all of these different communities that I'm a part of. Now, 
I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> so if I go to a party, it's weird to fucking introduce myself as in queue. You know, it's a little bit weird. So I, I usually call myself Adam now, but I would say the majority of people collectively in my life call me in queue. So we've got a lot of listeners that are between the ages of 18 and 34. They're young professionals. They're people that might be working a full-time corporate job, but they have this side hustle passion that they're exploring. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people will be curious about the business of poetry. How do you make money? You wrote a book that forces people to do their own work, yet it sells. And you show up and you speak, not to be understood, but to, to have people experience your poetry. So it's different. And I think a lot of people probably struggle with how do I monetize my passion? How do I create a livelihood and design my life around this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think people have to ask the question, what's more important, monetization or self-expression? How do you do both, though? Because you're doing both. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, but if you were to ask me what's more important, mm. at the kernel, I would say self-expression. It's just, that's my answer. It's always been my answer. And when I sit down to write, I don't think, what do other people want to hear? I just connect to what is interesting to me. What pisses me off? What moves me? What sparks me? And then I follow that breadcrumb trail to the end of the poem. Um, so I separate my creativity from my monetization. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, what's going to work? Yeah. And I respect that. I even admire that. But I do not know how to do it. I can do it for other people. Brands come to me and ask me to help them brand a campaign to come up with a, a poetic content piece around something that they're selling. And if I can connect to something that is interesting to me, I can create that piece for them or help them find what the message is for them. Um, but for myself, I'm a mystery and I kind of like it that way. I don't know what I'm going to do next because I don't know what I'm going to be next. Um, that said, if I compartmentalize the creativity from the monetization, um, once I have a piece of art, I think about how I can get this out to the most people um and you know i've done that through songwriting i've done that through inquire within i've done that through um the amazon stand-up special that we have in q live at the ace theater we do that through uh corporate workshops where i show up at companies or corporations or communities and i help them find their voice through poetry and explore who they are through creativity as individuals and as a group. And that is an incredible, unique experience that always leaves people um, feeling like they have a new sense of themselves and a new sense of who they work with. Which, Who's a good fit for that? Uh, anyone and everyone. And I actually mean that. I mean, I've done hundreds of these workshops over the years uh, with different uh, types of genres, you know, and it doesn't really matter what people do because people are people and how they collaborate with each other is much more about knowing and respecting who it is that they're collaborating with than it is about what they're collaborating on. So I just provide an experience for people to connect like the way we did at the beginning in a safe space and then once i know you more i actually like relate to you more and once i relate to you i empathize with you and if i empathize with you it's going to change how i communicate with you and if it changes how i communicate it changes how we create that's kind of like the idea and i think why companies and corporations bring me in especially now we're living in a very disconnected world and so part of what I provide is connection. One thing that I'd like to explore, I know Luke's got a couple of thoughts here to finish up this thought. There are a lot of people who are wondering how long is it going to take? 
We spoke with somebody this morning, Stephen Pressfield. It took him 30 years before his first published novel was picked up and he was paid for it. 30 years. We've got three 29-year-olds and a 28-year-old in the room. We live in this world of instant gratification. We grew up with social media. What we see on our Instagram feeds is what we want tomorrow. But you have to work for it. And so I'm just curious, how long did it take you before you became more comfortable? You weren't working for $50 a show and having to chase down money money anymore. How long did it take you to figure it out as a frame of reference? Well, I started to make money when I got into songwriting. And um, and then I had to decide, was I only going to pursue songwriting or was I going to pursue poetry simultaneously? And I decided I wanted to get back into poetry. And, um, and that has branched out in so many different ways. So the answer to your question is an annoying answer because it takes as long as it takes. And anything that I say is just words. And, it could always be three feet from gold. And hot air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, um, so I think people need to ask themselves why it is that they want to pursue these things and how important it is to them and what the risk and reward is and what they're willing to sacrifice or compromise in order to achieve that. And then also ask themselves, if it's more important to have the journey or the destination. Because like for me, you know, I had all of these ideas about where I would wind up and I'm not where I thought I would wind up. Wind up. I, I, I'm somewhere completely different, but I'm definitely where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And if, if I had confined my own life to my ideas of my life, it would have been super boring, man because I've had so many incredible experiences along the way. Um, so for me, the journey is more important than the destination. And because of that, uh, I'm so excited for the journey, like where I'm gonna wind up next, you know? I'm sure along the way you had plenty of plenty of failures and, cause we all do. I'm I'm just curious, like, what was your motivation to continue on? Like you're doing shows for 50 bucks and you're, you're, you have different failures throughout your career. Like what just kept you coming back to poetry? Why did you keep going? By the way, 50 bucks was a good show. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Um, I think, uh, probably depression, obsession, (laughs) you know, none of like the sexy answers. Um, but also, I was always, there was always something else that I realized I wanted to say, you know? I was like stumbling on something and being like, I gotta pick that up. Do you think poetry as an act of self-exploration and expression is something that everybody should participate in and try out for themselves? Yes, I believe that we're all storytellers and the stories that we tell ourselves and other people become our lives. Art is a path to changing your story. Poetry is my path. People think, I'm not a poet. I don't want to dabble in that. I'm scared of that. I'm not interested in that. People think, I'm not a poet. I don't want to do something I'm not great at. People do that in all sorts of different art forms. When they're kids, they play, they fail, they mess up, but they're expressing themselves. When they're adults, they calcify, they become rigid, they don't play, they don't do things that don't feel good unless they have to for survival. But art is about playing. Music is about playing. Acting is playing. Well, you go to the theater, you go to a play. Somebody gets on stage, they're like, I'm playing tonight at nine o'clock, you know? So I wish that people looked at poetry through the eyes of play because then they could have surprising self-discoveries through 
this particular art form. Um, and uh, that's one of the things that I love to do when I do these these workshops. Yeah. Is poetry like a unique, is it a unique art form in that like it's one that can bring out things that are deep within our, I don't know, our subconscious minds? <laughs> you got poems? <laughs> that's it. They're embarrassing compared to what you have. No, 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 no. That's the problem. Oh, I know. You're, the, you're the problem and the solution. The <laughs> you, you, you're, you're the problem and the solution because you're, you, you created, which is the thing. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Yeah, yeah. But now you're judging the thing that you created <laughs> against mine. Can you I know? give you some context? Yeah. We went to Lewis's Summit of Greatness. Yeah. You performed. At Bookthinkers, we have these daily huddles every morning at 10 a.m. where the, the team huddles, we discuss our priorities for the day. Out of nowhere, Luke starts showing up with poems that he's written, and he performs them for our group. And so you probably didn't want me to bring this up, but this is exactly what we need to bring Dude, up. Dude, do you want to perform one? I, I, well, I don't have... I don't have the like, – I asked about the memorizing thing because I don't have any of mine memorized. But I, it do you was, have them on your phone? I do have some on my phone. But it was, okay, it was a, you got, I think you should was, do a poem It was a sure. wild thing because like I, I have never considered myself a poet. I've never wrote, written any poetry whatsoever. Like, and I don't even know – I forget what the first one was, but it was just like I – don't, I don't even remember where I was. I was just like in my house and I was just on my phone and I just was taking some notes and then all of a sudden – it was just like this cadence of thought was coming out and it was really wild. So all I did, I, I wrote one and then I was like, Oh, that, that's interesting. So then I read it to my wife and I was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty good. I was like, mm. yeah, it's, you know, I've, I don't even know what this is cause I've never written this or done anything. I mean, I have written, I've read your book before I've listened to you perform, but outside of that, like I've never really immersed myself in poetry in any way. So it was a really wild thing. I can see if I have one that yes, <laughs> that isn't. <laughs> let's let's, yes, see. let's, let's, let's do pull it. Pull up a note and see if there's one that. Well, might that's be why I asked about is poetry for everybody. I, I remember you mentioned to me you do some workshops uh, where somebody like me can come and spend time in a group and e explore. You put us through exercises. How does it work? While he's pulling that up. So the company and the corporate or the public workshops that I do, um, I perform, I set the stage, and then I create a prompt that I feel best represents what this specific group wants to focus on. And then I do an example of the prompt in my own work, give people time to think about what subject they want to explore, give them the rules of poetry, and the rules of poetry are there are no rules of poetry. You just have to choose something that's moving and meaningful to you and intend it to be a poem. Then I give them time to write. And then we bring everybody back and I get people on stage to get up and share their poem and it's a rock star experience. So everybody in the audience is going crazy no matter what they share. Just supporting them for getting up and being vulnerable from a place of strength. And then I pair everybody off so everyone gets a chance to read their poem and to be witnessed. And then we do a closing dream manifestation and some context. And then I release everybody, but I say, poetry is yours now. And it's always here for you. You just have to pay attention and then create time and space. Wow. All right, well, I have one here. It's, I think, the shortest one I have, so that's good. Let's do <laughs> I'm it. I'm like sitting here. Shaking, super nervous. Hey. Woo, woo. All right, we all got to give it up on it. <laughs> we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Oh, man. All right. All right. Shake it out. <laughs> it's a catastrophe waking up feeling atrophy because you haven't worked out since PE in high school until you let it go. You left behind your dreams to settle down in complacency. You've lost all agency over what you call life. But is it life when your life is full of strife? The only thing to look forward to is death, not a future full of excitement and adventure. I'd venture to say that you didn't want to end up this way, so why do you sit drinking the Kool-Aid of social media and the latest Band-Aid on your problems, hiding behind a screen, wanting to jump up and scream, but you remain docile, like a fossil, waiting for someone to discover you? But let's be real, you need to discover you, not others. They're too busy in their own minds, so leave the thought of that behind you. Get up today and conquer your fears. Walk to the gym and sweat out some tears. 
Don't be a fool like you've been since school ended. Be more right now. Go out and plow a path to your future. Not the future that just happens, but the one you create. So be the master of your life. <laughs> I'm crying way too much today. You got it, bro. You got it. There's more, to this, <laughs> there's more to this life than mindless consumption. If that's your assumption, get up and do something about it. Your desire for more isn't a chore. Just get up and do it. Fight through the soreness. Harness your power. This is the hour. Do it now or never. It's time to take life by the reins and make it rain. Stop making excuses. It only reduces your potential for more. If you want to do more, then do it right now. Do it. Hey, that was awesome. Nice job, dude. Dude, How's that about feel? confronting that fear. Let's go. Whew. That felt good. <laughs> Did you purposely choose something that was on the subject matter of what this whole podcast I, has been about? I literally just chose the one that was the shortest. <laughs> it's interesting because it was very aligned to everything we've been talking about yeah. from kind of the beginning. Yeah. It was really the perfect subject matter. In fact, if you had written this after the podcast, it would have made perfect sense. <laughs> So it tells me that this is on your mind and heart. That flew very easily for you. Like I could tell that it wasn't like um, challenging for you to write that because it's present for you. It wants to come up and out, which means your internal compass is pointing in a direction. And I like the fact that you were giving yourself a roadmap. And, uh, and I think that the more that you speak it out loud, the more that you solidify it into the world rather than keeping it inside in the kind of like hall of mirrors that we all have in our minds. Well, it's so interesting because I literally have about, um, a hundred of those mm. like that I've just written. And I, it's really wild because like, for me, I just, I don't know at this point, like I, I just have a thought and I just go with it and I just start writing and something comes out and don't, <laughs> that's all like, there's no process or anything. It's just like, Oh, I'm thinking of something. And now I write it as, as some kind of poetry, I guess, which is just wild. Cause I just like, again, I never, that just poetry has never, ever crossed my mind in my entire life, <laughs> which yeah. is just like so wild. It doesn't cross most people's minds really. Yeah. That's why I was saying at the beginning, like if I'm at a party and people are like, what do you do? <laughs> You know, if I say I'm a poet, it's a whole conversation after that. Yeah. So sometimes I just deflect. Hey, you know? that's better than saying you're a bookstagrammer. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> Bookstagram. Got it. Got Bookstagram. It. Bookstagram. Instagram meets books. Instagram meets books. Yeah. <laughs> podcaster. I like it. That's more well, exciting. podcaster is something people can wrap their minds yeah. around, right? Um, if I say I'm a writer, I can easily kind of skate through the conversation mm -hmm. but if i say i'm a poet it's like you know it's like saying you're a race car driver or like a a lamp lighter or like, people <laughs> like you're like what, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know so it's interesting though because we were talking about the workshops um one of the other things that we do is retreats so we try to give people like an extended period of time to explore uh, their own creative voice through poetry. And we do these um, workshop slash adventure retreats. So we did one in Marrakesh, uh, Morocco at the end of last year. And um, our next one we're about to announce is in May uh, in Mexico. And we're doing uh, whale shark diving with uh manta rays we're gonna do that sea lions do you know the dates um we do know the dates are we allowed to talk about the dates yeah what we are can, they we can wait until or, or cut it. may 7th until the 12th and uh it's going to be like an oceanic safari basically but then we're also going to have yoga breath work and um some adventure sports around where we're staying and then we're going to have these poetry workshops and also a show by me and this other incredible poet named uh, ali michelle so it's going to be really awesome and if you're feeling inspired and you want to come flex your muscles some more 
where can um where can people book that like where can they do you have on your website yeah it's gonna be okay yeah it, all right yeah we will yeah yeah but we'll we'll give you all the information yeah, as well please do. so we can it'll link to definitely it, be on the website and okay on instagram my wedding is may 13th in aruba so you're most of the way there if you yeah, go to I mexico know. first yeah that's dope yeah. you excited oh yeah super excited what's a, aruba i've never been to aruba yeah aruba's 15 miles off the coast of venezuela okay and it's a, the very bottom of the caribbean is there a reason that you do you have is that a special place in your guys's relationship or? it is it was the first place that we traveled to together internationally and uh, both of our families have history with aruba so on my mom's side my grandparents had a timeshare for 25 years hmm. and on her side her family had been a ton of times so Nice. It's a safe island. There are a lot of direct flights from Boston. And we said we love traveling so much that this will represent us. We love the beach. We love palm trees. We love travel. And some friends had to get passports in order to attend the wedding. That's and that's awesome. exactly what we wanted people to experience. That's awesome. There are yeah. not a lot of Americans have passports. I know. And we got to, you know, we got to gently push people to see the world. Was it, was it you telling me that? The other day, who was telling me that? Somebody told me it was like such a low. I was like shocked by the percentage, like such a low percentage. I feel like it's under 40% of Americans. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, we had an author fly in from Germany to work with us recently. And uh, when you're when you're in Europe, it's you have to be in other countries. Otherwise, right. they're, they're like states. It's like never leaving Massachusetts. You have to right. leave Massachusetts at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Americans don't leave very often. 30%. Americans think America is the only place in the world, but they miss out. They miss out. The world is a big, bold, beautiful place. Yeah. Is there a reason that you you host these retreats and workshops internationally? Um, I just want to use it as an excuse to travel. I only have so much time, and I'm really busy. and um, So I, I want to choose adventures that i want to go on i also once again i look at it from the standpoint of we're in this together not from the standpoint of um teaching you something or showing you something i mean i am facilitating but we go through the experience together so like in the last one that we did in marrakesh i mean these incredible group of people they're like best friends now um and lots of really cool things have kind of come from that experience. And in fact, a lot of the people, I would say like one third of the people came from the Summit of Greatness. Oh, wow. And I barely mentioned it on stage. So, you know, big shout out to Lewis. Yeah. And, yeah, well, when you're yeah. feeling inspired, you're willing to take more action. And I, I think that's a good thing. I think people go to those events because it puts them into a space where they, they have the confidence briefly to push their agendas a little bit and, and so it's a great place to make a decision like that. Some people say it's impulsive. I say you're going to those events because you want to be pushed a little bit. Yeah, more. get out of your comfort yeah. zone. Absolutely. Do you want to cover anything else related to your poetry? And I, seriously, do you want to explore anything else before you wrap up? Because we're kind of hitting our time limits here. Yeah, I mean, I think we can we can wrap this up. This has been, man, this has been amazing. Dude, it's been for amazing sharing. for me. I tell you what. Thank you for sharing your work. I really liked your poem. I appreciate. I thought that. it was really, really beautiful. Thank I also like the that line, "Sweat out your tears." I thought that was really a great line. Yeah, what's really wild is um, I actually used to be really, really heavy, and um, like I mean, I was super overweight, like three hundred and something pounds. And mm -hmm. um, even to this day, there's times I go to the gym and I, I work out very regularly now. But there's times I go to the gym and literally I'm just like lifting a heavy weight, and there's like I'm. I'm crying about it. I'm like, what am I doing right. here? Like, oh, man, this is painful. Yeah. Um, so I don't even, like, that line came out of me, but it, it is, it's very, it's, like, it's so true to who I am, like, sweating out your tears. And that can mean something else to you. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I liked it is because uh, emotion is energy in motion. Mm. So you just want to move the energy. Yeah. And you move the energy through your body. You move the energy through you know, getting it out this way or whatever, how, getting it out that way. But it's about movement is expression. And the way yeah. that I interpret it as a standalone sentence is so different. We, we interviewed an author yesterday, Alex Hormozzi, who said that 
He's never meditated once in his life, but he finds peace in the gym. And I think a lot of men talking about the subject of masculinity, they do sweat out tears in the gym. It's the only place that they can let it out. Yeah. They can feel all the feels and uh, the energy gets transferred through a lot of like masculine movement, um, which is unfortunate on one side of the spectrum, but it's also fortunate on the other. So. I don't think it's unfortunate. I really actually, I, you know, the only thing I'll say that might be unfortunate is that they don't always connect the dots. But like anything that puts you in the moment and you're expressing yourself, I think is a very, very good thing. Yeah, me too. You know, so yeah. one thing I would say is, is like sometimes when I do things that are physical, I'll specifically attach them to something that I'm working on. Interesting. Okay. And then even if I forget about that thing while I'm doing it, it gave me a direction mentally and emotionally for my physical movement. Mm. And it's almost like a tribute to that thing, yeah. you know? And uh, it's either something I want to create more of or something I want to release. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. No, I'm yeah. happy that you added that. Yeah. Well, Adam, this has been awesome. I I love your view of the world. It's, it's so unique and uh, different. I'm glad that you've had the courage throughout your life to do poetry and continue to do poetry it's amazing thank you man appreciate thank it. you yeah do you want to wrap it up with one more poem do you have anything that's coming to mind or? yeah sure i actually don't know this is the one that i did the other night that i then changed so i'll do it again and then i'll see whether or not i like it i don't need to know you to be proud of you i'm proud of you for all you've done and all you do. Because you're trying to become a better version of you and I'm fucking proud of you. I hope this poem will empower you. I hope that you'll remember it the next time someone's doubting you. I hope that you'll remember it the next time them is you and you're doubting yourself because you have nothing else to do. Pull the voice inside aside, you're on their side. Look them in the eyes and say, who are you to talk to you that way? You wouldn't let another person talk to you that way. So what makes you think just because it's you, it's okay? You probably never talk to another person that way. You'd either walk away or defend yourself if you stayed. But since you're the other person in this particular case and you can't leave yourself, you have to learn to hold the space. So say I'm fucking proud of you. Even if it feels like it's pretend. Try talking to yourself like you're your own best friend. Try talking to yourself like the relationship could end. And the words you choose have consequence. Don't take yourself for granted just because you're always there. Celebrate yourself for always being there, always being here. Compliment the mirror. Let's be clear. Self-help is self-care. Are you aware that your awareness and your ego are completely different things? Are you scared of the dichotomy constructing everything? Are you prepared to share the inner space without defining things? Are you attached to the illusion and the lullaby it sings? Are you distracted by the story even if it isn't true? Because if you are, you're not alone. It happens to me too and still I'm fucking proud of you. Yeah, you. The infinite you. The nonspecific you. The specifically terrific you, the universal you, the perfectly imperfect you. Look at you, you eternal you. You raced against at least 100 million sperm before becoming you and you and you. The one and only life will make. You have some nerve to walk around like you're some sort of mistake. You deserve to walk around like you're designed to take up space, like you're aligned from the core inside the earth to outer space. You're a fucking miracle without a molecule to waste. You're a physical expression of fate, and I relate. You're a mystical expression of fate, and I relate. You're a musical, magical, beautiful, powerful individual. That's why I'm fucking proud of you, even when you get cynical. Remember that when times are tough. Close your eyes and hear my voice. You're a million times enough. Close your eyes and hear my voice until it's something that you trust. You're a million times enough. 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 enough. You are the sum of all of your experiences. 
you are the sum of none of your experiences. You're only you because they doubted you. You're alive and I'm proud of you. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Book Thinkers, Life-Changing Books. It would mean the world to us if you could write a review and share this episode with a few of your friends. I mean, these books truly have the power to change people's lives. And by reviewing or sharing our podcast, you're helping us make an impact. If you have any recommendations for future guests or any constructive feedback for us on how we can improve our show, please feel free to submit a form on our website, www.bookthinkers.com, or send us a direct message on Instagram at bookthinkers. With that, I am signing off and I hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget, go read something.